Three, two, one. I think it's time that we start the conversation to silence the shame. Silence the shame. Silence, silence the shame. Silence is the difference between treatment or pain, life or death. Silence the shame. Speak up now and silence. 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 Silence the shame. Hey everyone, this is your girl Shanti Das, founder of the Hip Hop Professional Foundation and the Silence the Shame Movement. So excited to be here today. What up, Free? What's going on, Shanti? Why are you over there laughing? Did you know, we have, no, we have April in the room. You know, that's always Why a good time. Why does everything have to be my fault already? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's okay. This Hi. is going to be a great show. How are you doing, Free? I'm doing well, Shanti. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited to be back on the airwaves and providing some great information out there in the world of emotional health and wellness. Mm-hmm. I, I really like saying emotional health now instead of mental health. Because, that's great. I like that, actually. You know, it's all about words, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't want to increase that stigma we actually want to erase the stigma um mm-hmm. around mental wellness so this good people is episode 16 can you believe that man we're growing i know i really i think we need to do more but we're going to get there yeah, yeah. but i think the content that's out there is helping the people is getting to the community getting to the community so mm-hmm. really excited about it and this keeps our conversations going and today on a serious note we're actually going to be um, peeling back some of the layers around suicide awareness and prevention um we obviously lost two icons, um, mm-hmm. one in fashion and one in, I guess you would say, just the, the um, entertainment space, celebrity yeah. chef, yeah. so to speak. And um, cultural relevance. Cult- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Cultural icons. Um, can we just have a moment of silence for Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain? Thank you. Um, gosh, I mean, that was really tough, I think, on so many people. What it did. Fortunately, um, when you can take a negative situation and turn it into something positive, um, I was just with a lot of people from the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and they said that calls increase exponentially. Mm. Um, and April, I'm sure you you know can attest to this being a, a licensed professional clinician. Um, well, hey, I didn't introduce you, did I? It's cool. Mm-hmm. No, I'm no, crazy. No, no. It's right. I'm sorry, a, y'all. You know what? We've it's because April like family. I know. You just be with us so much. <laughs> I'm just so used to it. Okay, wait. Er, rewind. Let me welcome to the show our special guest, Dr. April Umstead, who is a licensed professional clinician and counseling psychologist. Hi, everybody. How are you? It's good to see everybody. Talk to everybody. I'm excited to be here, ready to dive in. We're we're, we're going. so grateful to have your expertise here on the Thank show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, OK, we're back back to normal now. Um <laughs> So we were talking about the recent deaths of Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I found that so many people on my timeline were posting about it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when someone in the public eye completes suicide, it takes it to a different level. Right. For whatever reasons, because we have so many people um, from an everyday perspective taking their own lives or even contemplating suicide. Just recently, the CDC released a new report and suicides are up. 30% 30% over the last two decades. Why do you think sometimes um, the public responds, April, to um, a situation when it's someone that is an entertainer or a celebrity? I really think that when things are publicized in a, in a very large manner, I think it causes people to pay attention to things that they used to kind of overlook and mm-hmm. give give excuses to, you know, oh, he'll be, he'll be all right. He's just having a bad day or she'll be all right. She's just feeling bad today. And I think that what happens is people kind of jump Mm -hmm. to say, you know, I don't know if this really is feeling bad and it makes me feel nervous as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and make that phone call. I'm going to go ahead and address this right now, just in case. Um, I think a lot of people um, might feel some concern that I didn't act in time. Mm -hmm. And so it's Mm -hmm. better to overreact first Mm -hmm. and then to apologize later than to underreact. And then, you know, I think to feel like you're 
you it didn't is. do enough. Mm-hmm. That's a great point because I think that most people feel like, oh, I don't want to. So it's a flip coin, you know, for the person who might be going through it. I don't want to bog a person down with my emotions. And for the person who might be on the receiving end, they're kind of like, I don't want to be invasive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to say that maybe it is okay to overreact to the air on the side of caution right. kind of gives people a little bit more of a balance. That's a that's a really good point, actually. Yeah. I like that. I, mean, I think also if you saw someone standing in the street and a car was coming, you know, right. and, and someone you loved, you know, how would you respond? You know, most times we would say, get out of the street. We would do something to try to to try to save their life, you right. know, at least try to intervene. And I think that it's the same thing when we start thinking about um, suicide and, and self-harm. You know, how can I make sure that I intervene in a good enough time and in time to mm-hmm. respond to what right. they need? So, you know, I, I'm just grateful that so many people that are in the public eye are starting to open up and share um, about their own um, personal bouts with depression, suicidal ideation, um, which lends me to this next introduction. Um, I met this young lady. Oh, gosh, I'm going to start telling my age. But <laughs> <laughs> I met her many, many, many years ago um, when she was starting her career in the entertainment industry. And I'm truly humbled um, to have her on the show today. She is a singer, songwriter, entrepreneur, and former member of the mega, mega group Destiny's Child. Let's give a warm silence of shame applause for Michelle Williams. Hey, this is exciting. Hey, y'all. Hi, Michelle. I just want to honor you guys today um, for the work that you're doing, um, for doing it in a way where... um, you knew that this had to be done, mm-hmm. whether one person was listening, whether a thousand people were listening. Mm-hmm. I salute you, Shine, to your honor you today. And I pray blessings and strength on all the listeners and everybody that's on the microphone today. I just wanted to say that with you. And I- I'm just excited that in years to come, I know that silence the shame will help millions. Mm, Amen. Okay, I received that tenfold. (laughs) Thank you so much. And you know, (laughs) what I really love and admire about you has always been your faith and your your spiritual walk. And we'll get into that a little bit more, but it really is an honor to have you on the show today on so many levels. So thank you again. Oh, oh, anytime, anytime, anytime. I won't, I won't jump too far ahead of you, but I'm an open book and have to share my journey. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, let's dive right in. Um, First of all, congrats on all of your success and your recent engagement. We'll talk about that a little bit later, too. Thank you so much. But that's a blessing. Tell me, what was life like for you growing up as a teen? You grew up in Illinois, right? Yeah, I grew up in Rockford, Illinois. It's um, about 60 miles west outside of Chicago. Um, so it was a city, but it was a little country, but we could drive like an hour and a half if we wanted to be grown, you know, and go to Chicago, you know, since that was a big city. I grew up in church. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my involvement, you know, in church, like at least two times a week. Mm. We were at church, whether it was for choir rehearsal or Bible study or youth night. You know, spaghetti night, you know, (laughs) (laughs) this Friday night, Yep. you know, and which I was actually involved in all of that. You know, I actually got a kick out of, you know, being involved in something where I could utilize, you know, my God-given gifts. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And when did you um, really begin your career as an entertainer? I began my career as an entertainer and still, you know, in church. So it led me to be in two gospel groups. Mm-hmm. I was in the creative and performing arts in junior high all the way until the end of high school. Um, let's see, praise and worship leader in the choir, um, all that good stuff. And then um, fast forward to the year 1999, yeah. I auditioned mm-hmm. to sing Background for Monica in Atlanta. Yeah, hey. Shout out to the A. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Ashanti, I think that's kind of between 99 and 2000-ish. I want to say my first um, rubbing elbows with you Mm -hmm. somehow. Yep. Long time ago through our good friend, Divine Stevens. Yes. um, Always spoke so highly of you. Um, So I remember auditioning for Monica. I got that gig. And so toured with her like six or nine months. Mm-hmm. And then the one of her dancers, Janelle Segura, happened to be Destiny's Child's choreographer at the time. Wow. So when Destiny's Child was looking for a new member, she was like, hey, I know a young lady, same background from Monica. Y'all call her up and see how she works out for you. And I guess I worked out for him. The, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess so. I, guess so. <laughs> I don't know how many million Grammys later. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, now let me ask you, when you were growing up and, and doing even entertainment um, within your own community and within the church, did you ever experience, like, anxiety or depression as a child? You know what? I started experiencing depression when I was maybe in the seventh grade. Back, back then, I didn't know that's what it was. I didn't know what to call it. You know, so I, I can only imagine that um, it depends. Um, you know, we didn't know what to call it. You know, I was told it was growing pains. Mm. Like you're just transitioning from a little girl to a woman. You know, especially if you're in that age where you're um, you're a young lady, you're starting to get your period, and so you're just thinking, oh, okay. I just chalked it up to that. I just chalked it up to. Um, seventh and eighth grade i'm not really being babied anymore like you could have been babied in elementary school Mm. you know um but i was i was um experiencing some things growing up i know my parents necessarily um weren't in a great space i think there was some fun you know financial struggles fighting arguing you know those things that couples will fight about Mm -hmm. you know and so I would say um, that's when it kind of really started happening, especially when you're the child like me who internalizes everything. Your anxiety starts then because you don't know, okay, what is this argument going to escalate into? Um, And feeling like helpless, like I couldn't help, I couldn't do anything. You know, children really, they, for the most part, they want to see everybody around them happy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you you don't want your parents arguing. Then you want to think, well, maybe did having all these kids, am I the reason why y'all mm-hmm. aren't happy? Am yeah, I the reason why y'all yeah. are struggling? You know what I mean? And so then you internalize all of that. And so for me, um, fast forwarding to my diagnosis with depression, I was in I was in my I'm still in my thirties, but I was in my early thirties. 
Wow. Wow. April, um, if we can interject for a minute, I just want April to talk a little bit about some of those triggers that children can deal with, right? Um, Whether it's household Mm -hmm. issues um, that kind of lead the child to start experiencing anxiety or the self-blame and that sort of thing. And I want to, I do want to get that, but I I wanted to circle back really quick, Michelle, and just ask when you were younger, when you said you're seventh grade, what were some of the thoughts that you were having as a child? Like what, what were you thinking? And then how did they make you feel? So if I was a parent, you know, listening, mm-hmm. what should I listen for? Like, what kind of thoughts were going through your mind at that age? Mm-hmm. Well, well, I'll say this, and fast forward to having a conversation with my mom about it, because mm-hmm. I wouldn't want her to hear this and be like, you done told family this, and <laughs> yeah. why people are depressed, because yeah. we ain't supposed to tell the family That's right. right. That's mm-hmm. right. You mm-hmm. know, but out of honor and respect, you know, talking to my mom about it, I remember her saying, baby, we just didn't know. We just didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. I'm saying this to say, parents, you're going to argue. Things are going to come up that are going to be unexpected. But I think it's how you talk to each other Mm -hmm. and how you talk to each other in front of your children. The fighting, the yelling, all of that produces some type of trauma Mm -hmm. in your children. Now, what it did for my brother and sister did it differently for me. Like mm-hmm. I said, I internalized everything. I began to isolate myself and try to, I just went in the basement just to feel safe, or I went outside just to feel safe, which turned into my adulthood to this day. If I don't feel safe, I run, I leave, right. mm-hmm. which can affect personal relationships. That's right. very true. Absolutely. So my fiance could be like, Babe, I just told you I didn't want hot sauce on my greens. What what, <laughs> what made you walk out the door? Because mm-hmm. if I feel unsafe, so those are things that I'm still working on as an adult. Like everybody is not my enemy. Everybody is not here to make me feel unsafe. Mm-hmm. So just so just I just want to tell that to parents that are listening. I can I'm not a parent yet. I can only imagine the the struggles, the frustration, the stress. Mm -hmm. But really, how you handle that in front of your children, I'm telling you, will have a long-term effect. And then not knowing how to uh, uh, deal with uh, healthy conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. All of that plays a part. I I was scared half the time because I didn't know if they argued was somebody gonna get, get hit. physical. Yeah, yeah, I can relate so you, to that. Ooh, so that's that that's putting fear in your child, some un unfair fear mm-hmm. that a child shouldn't have to. You know, I think the only fear a child have to worry about. Okay, you know, if they're getting bullied at school, I was bullied a lot at, as well. But I don't want to have to come home and feel unsafe. That's mm-hmm. right. I can I can relate to that. I, when I was a child, my parents. Did everything, um, I don't know if passion is the right word, but they did everything aggressively, I'll say. If they were mm-hmm. in love, it was aggressive. If they were <laughs> in hate, it was aggressive. And, mm-hmm. you know, for what happens sometimes when you're the child and there's fighting between them that could become physical, sometimes the children are like the only um, blockage to make it either stop sometimes. You know, like I, in, in my case specifically, there were times where, my parents got into it and right before it would become physical, I might've screamed out and that stopped the physical aspect mm-hmm. of it. But if yeah. it wasn't in front of me, it might've gone there. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you end mm-hmm. up like you, I suffer with being able to relate and cope with 
I think I can do all right with conflicts of myself, but when it gets to a certain point of maybe intimacy, that might be a little bit more of a challenge because you don't know yeah. if that's going to turn escalated or you might have the fear of which one of your parents are you like, yeah. you know, or who's, mm. you know what I mean? Or like, how will you mm-hmm. become if you go into something like which one will you will you take on or if you'll take on either one of them? So. I can completely relate with where you are with that. And I think to kind of follow mm-hmm. up with what you said, Michelle, and you free, I think that parents, um, even as a clinician, when I'm talking to people, parents don't understand how powerful processing information is to mm-hmm. a young person, a child, mm-hmm. and being able to say, you know, you saw a fight between mommy and daddy and translating that into a way that, you know, you can understand what's happening so it doesn't become internal to where now you're ruminating on thoughts of if I had just, what if I did, or this is something because of me. So I think, you know, Michelle, and being able to to demonstrate how, like you said, that these things were happening in front of me, but there wasn't a way for you to process um, the information. So all this information is coming at you. Did you feel like it was a bombardment of information and the only way to really kind of get back to zero was to isolate? Yeah, isolate, and I think that was um, a way just to survive and get yeah. over it, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's a powerful you know, so statement. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an mm-hmm. extremely powerful statement that because it was too much information, it overwhelmed my ability to cope and that's communicate right. that the only thing I could do in that fight or flight or freeze it's was to, to run. Yeah, yeah right. it was to isolate. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. That's a powerful statement. That was like the <sighs> ultimate coping mechanism yeah. for right. her. I yeah. want to... Um, Go back to your career when you started Destiny's Child, right? And you guys were, mm-hmm. you know, um, super successful, breaking barriers um, as obviously as a, a female um, group in the entertainment industry, all of the awards and accolades and tours and so forth. How did you handle the natural stresses of being like in a high paced industry, a very public industry, and mm. obviously now doing secular music, right? Right. Having transition from gospel music um for me you know when I joined the group it was so fast like Mm -hmm. you could have hit me in the face (laughs) and I would have reacted two years later you know we had so much going on and rehearsals and you guys were the epitome of like artist development y'all did everything facts facts It was so much going on that anything that affected me was I probably I would have a delayed reaction. Mm -hmm. Didn't have time to react, Mm -hmm. you know. um, Which I think brings me on to you know a couple years into Destiny's Child, finally telling our manager, I said, "Hey, Matthew, I said I believe I'm depressed," Mm -hmm. and so he said, um, and I've already discussed this with him um, um, because I spoke about this. Just a couple months ago, I think y'all were the second, only second um, that I'm kind of going into specifics with, by the way. So I've already spoken with him. So if this gets out, I don't want anybody to be like, ooh. Sure. Me and Matthew have already discussed this a couple months ago. Okay. Um, Thank you for that. So, yeah, because, um, so when I I said that to him, um, he said, well, you know, y'all just signed this amazing deal with Columbia. Y'all got dolls. Y'all are about to go on tour. So when he said those things to me, I was like, man, you're right. We do. We have a lot of great things going on. Mm-hmm. My bad. Maybe I'm just tired. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was the first time I ever kind of, it came out my mouth that I believe I was depressed. Gotcha. So, 
you you know, when you talk about Anthony Bourdain or even Kate Spade and people, I, I I saw comments and really pissed me off. Or people like, why are rich people oh, committing suicide? Yeah. I know. Isn't that the just that's the most terrible statement I think that you can ever make. Yeah. So when people you are human. So yes, yeah. So and it's different pressures. Mm-hmm. So in my case, when you tell me y'all just signed a multi-million dollar deal. You got Barbie dolls that are being made in your likeness. Y'all are about to go on this tour. So obviously, did none of that make me happy. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you think of Anthony Bourdain, the riches and, and the notoriety and all of that stuff, obviously, that didn't make them happy. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So, I tell people so, all the time, um, all the money in the world doesn't make you happy. Now, it may make yeah, life a little yeah. easier, but it does not lead to your overall well-being of your mind and it can create access to avoid even better because you can Mm. do things that other people can't do by having the access that other people don't have because you have the money to do it and then some entertainers and actors go ahead i'm sorry oh not only access but it, it just it just to me elevates um people to be around you where you normally should have boundaries and before you know it certain people are probably unknowingly or knowingly like triggering mm-hmm. some of those issues that you aren't whole from that you need healness from that you need constant therapy that's wow. right and and being in the uh, a high profile position period you know you have a lot of yes people around you yeah. and then sometimes you know actors and musicians you know will turn to substance abuse yeah. um which that's the reason you know obviously I'm learning now the more and more I study around um emotional health and brain health it's you know, people that suffer from substance abuse, it's a direct result nine times out of 10, right? Emotional, mm -hmm. underlying emotional issue. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think, I just wanted to say if we could like make a declaration somewhere, you know, that material wealth or material items, uh, they don't make you happy. They're a response to your success. Mm -hmm. They're not Mm -hmm. something that says, now that I have these things, Mm -hmm. therefore I am now full of joy, you know, ever after. You know, it's strictly, I go to work every day, I get a paycheck, I come home. Getting my paycheck and getting a raise doesn't mean... Now, all of a sudden, I'm absolved of all, you know, negative emotional well-being issues. You know, that doesn't happen. You know, so I think that that's a good thing to start telling people and letting them know that my financial freedom or my material wealth or the things that I have, they're they're a response to my success. They have nothing to do with Mm -hmm. making me internally permanently happy, Mm -hmm. especially because life waxes and wanes. And I think that's a good thing to say. I could have. Like Michelle said, I had everything. These things were in my life, Mm -hmm. you know, but there was a part of me that still wasn't being, there was a need that wasn't being met. Or that wasn't happening. Yeah, there was part of me that wasn't whole. And for that moment, if you're fragile or, you know, going through a fragile state in your life, that creates more responsibility and responsibility is heavy. Yeah. And the the hole will get bigger. You know, mm -hmm. it it can grow if we don't address it. If we're not in a position to address it, we'll kind of put it on the shelf and wait yeah. And then we turn yeah. around and the hole is a huge, you know, black abyss. Mm-hmm. So so having said that, mm-hmm. so that's a good way to transition back. So, Michelle, once you told Matthew that and then you kind of thought about it and you were like, well, maybe, you know, I'm not depressed. And what happened next? If you can kind of walk us through where you um, really realize you actually did have depression that, that you may need yeah. to seek treatment. I think what happened next for me was because. When you, I mean, that that was somebody that, you know, you know, you have huge respect for. You think, you know, okay, well, they know what's best for me. So I didn't do nothing. Mm. Mm. I just, 
I didn't seek therapy probably for 10 years later wow. when, it, when I was in a really low place. Yeah. Mm. So I, I didn't do anything because then I started to think, well, maybe, I mean, I guess if I was depressed, I would just be really sad or really, mm-hmm. which I was, I guess, for me to even recognize or even say that it was depression, but I felt like I wouldn't be able to work anymore. So, I mean, I'm moving. Um, so You're high functioning. I, let you know, I, I was high functioning. Right. Yeah. So I was like, well, all right. And so then when I was a kid or when, when you think of therapy, you think of therapy being for quote unquote crazy people, Correct. people who mm-hmm. rock back and forth, people who they kill somebody, people who mm-hmm. bite the skin off their thumbs, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Like, but fast forward into like the first day I ever went to therapy, um, I just saw somebody walking out that was dressed regularly, looked like he could have mm-hmm. been, you know, a vice president mm-hmm. at the Chrysler plant that yep. was by me. They were. They weren't somebody strapped to a gurney. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, which were the misconceptions it, it, that society taught us mm-hmm. about emotional yes, health. Yes, yes, because when you think of a psychiatrist, you think of the person that's dressed in all white and they're wrapped up Correct. in that gurney thing and they're they're shackled or tied up and can't move. No, it's it's the person that, that works at our favorite, you know, fast food franchise. It's the person that is a high-level CEO it's mm-hmm. your neighbor. It's your family member. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so that's why I was just saying, too, I'm hoping that silence of shame can be a place where I was, um, like, too many people that we think are okay, they're suffering, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they, there's got to be a place where people can call to say, Fine, y'all, I'm, I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's interesting, we get those calls so much now, Michelle. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Mm -hmm. That's so good because we, they have to know, you you do, you're grown, you you do what you want to do. But I really feel like, you know, suicide is, is, uh, I've been there, I've been through those dark moments, you know what I mean? But when you just know, it will pass, Mm -hmm. do the work, continue to get that therapy, confront those horrible as they call it, demons, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, overcome them. Mm-hmm. You yeah. take control of them. Don't let them take control of you. Sweet. We have the power to do that. We really, really do. And I don't want anybody to take offense because some people feel like suicide is a person's freedom. They're mm-hmm. gone from all the pain. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I, I, I'm, I want to have compassion and empathy, you know, to that perspective and, and um, someone else's opinion about that. When you just think of people where you're like, no, nah, man, there was there's some purpose left for them. Yeah, yeah. and I, you know? so I have a question. Did your um at that time while you were in the group, did your um, members recognize or were they aware of what you were facing and going through, or any of your family, or, or any of no, your family? I didn't, you know, I didn't say, I didn't tell anybody because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want anybody to think I'm weak that I'm yeah. not cut out. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep it moving, honey. We are survivors and independent women, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh-oh. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I just didn't want that to be uh, a distraction and let's keep it moving because my relationship with, with, uh, with the girls is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I say is, not what. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I didn't want them to have a burden on them that they have nothing to do with. 
Um, so I, I didn't say a word. I think they didn't they didn't find out till I probably about it publicly wow and you know what that that brings me to a point because you came in at a very pivotal time for the group because there was so much transition going on mm-hmm. did it did that add to feeling like you had pressure to kind of keep that to yourself because the group had been through transitions and maybe you didn't want to be new and having seen you know problems even though that's we understand mm-hmm. that's not exactly mm-hmm. what it always is but you don't want to be like the problem or a squeaky wheel after there's been so much transition. Right. I think for me, um, knowing that I was new in the group, I was just trying to keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget. We went to London and we went, we did some promotion um, at a television station there. And I remember walking out the door and somebody made a sign and it had my name on it and said, Michelle, we love you too. Mm. And right then and there, that pressure left mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I felt like, okay, I don't have to. When when you got a group that had original members, the original right. members have their fans, yeah. right? And then people don't know, like they think I came in and kicked people out, or they think I'm right. 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 No, I was called to fulfill a job, and I did it. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know? That's right. <laughs> so so when I saw that sign, I was like, oh. Okay, thank you, Lord. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So that pressure, I didn't have that anymore. It was like, okay, cool. Let's move. Let's go. Well, so much, you know what I mean? So yeah. Um, so I didn't have I, I certain pressures of of I, I honestly I didn't have those 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 certain that that pressure. So mm-hmm. let me ask you, what moment though was it? within that, I guess, before that moment when you went to London that you actually had suicidal ideation and considered it? Um, I, as for those, I was never that low okay. while the group was going on. Got it, got it. Yeah. yeah cause was like it said, later down the line? Hard. Yeah, it was later down the line. Um, so, sometimes hard work can distract you from what's really going on in your life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? That's right. So for me, yeah. So it, for me, it wasn't until about um, 2008, actually, 2008 okay. on. Um, and I, I want to say 2010, I think, was my first time going to therapy. Mm. Was so it a traumatic years. experience, you think, in 2008 that led to you even contemplated? And did you ever consider suicide or you just those were just kind of like seriously mm-hmm. consider it or were they just kind of some fleeting thoughts that you had? No, I absolutely seriously considered it. And I think it was just um, failed relationships, mm-hmm. blaming myself for those failed relationships. Like, girl, you know better. Are you crazy? Feeling like I, I've given the best of myself to people, feeling nasty, feeling, ugh, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So that on top of, um, so people can be like, what? So you had a failed relationship. You want to kill yourself. People don't know. It could be that. That's the thing that. Break, it's that's that trigger. To break the camel's back. Mm-hmm. Michelle, we don't know why people have those thoughts. We don't know why people get to that place where they do take their life. They they said, um, I, I read somewhere. I, this, I don't know. As far as Anthony Bourdain, he was eating a hamburger and it was bad. And he sunk into depression. Mm-hmm. So, mm. A hamburger? But you don't know what that triggers, what, what that reminded him of, right. what it triggered. It could be a, a white dove in the sky that we think mm-hmm. is so beautiful. That might 
trigger somebody mm-hmm. that got PTSD from birds. We don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or remind them of a funeral. That's oh, true. that's good. Mm-hmm. Michelle, that's so good. Michelle, if I can, I wanted to kind of just circle yes, back ma'am. again just to one area. One thing I thought was just really poignant um, when you were talking about being in the group and traveling and, um, you know, getting the help. And one of the things you said is that, you know, fight. You, t- you were saying that you got to fight for your life. And I think that's one of the things that um, we don't promote very often is, you know, this is you are in the fight of your life right now. And I wanted to know mm-hmm. um, when that became when did that become um something that was prominent for you, that this depression, this suicide, this thing right here, I'm not going to let it take me. You know, when did it become the fight of your life? It's me against you, you know. Um, I would say about 2014 ish. Mm-hmm. Okay. 2014. And between like 2000, I'm trying to figure out 2013 that's when I started um I couldn't get out of bed I was in bed for like a week straight and would only right. get out to use the bathroom and if really? I had a bedpan I probably I probably would have just used the bedpan and not have even gotten up out the bed wow now you, you have released another yeah. album right in 2014 2014 journey to freedom or single journey to freedom yeah so mm-hmm. that one you talk about journey to freedom that's what i wanted to be free from mm. i wanted to be I, I also wanted to be free from all the things that even got me to that wow. point, feeling so low and depressed you wow. know what i mean that's a yeah. that's that's yeah. really that's mm-hmm. really like a that's like a powerful powerful statement and Absolutely. i was thinking about how you said you know i don't want to be a burden on my friends and family and I was thinking of, you know, what were your thoughts back then? Were you thinking, what will they think of me if they see this hole in me? What what will people do? Will I cause more problems? Were you in, were you kind of back to that that seventh grader, I think you said, seventh grader, where you were like, you know, if this happens, it's going to be Michelle's fault. It'll mm. be because Michelle is well, broken oh, or... Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Because you know, I, I I see Beyonce and Kelly; they're human, but I still see them as very strong. Mm-hmm. Although knowing they're flawed too, they they have things that make them sad, and you know. But at, at the time, I couldn't see that. All I saw was we have to keep it moving mm-hmm. because Destiny's Child could have went another way. Mm-hmm. But even during and the time that you were having your suicidal ideation, though, did, your, did they or your friends and family, did it play a part oh, where you oh, felt you, like... Oh, I didn't tell them. Even then, I didn't tell nobody. Okay, okay. Because you're, I'm supposed to be a person of faith. I'm the mm-hmm. strong Christian. I'm the safe, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm the yeah. one that people look at in the group like, something's different about her. She's a churchy one. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't dare like, you tell pray for us. Was, right. Yes, mm-hmm. I wouldn't dare tell them. But I think it's so powerful to hear somebody say, you know, I was having these thoughts and then these things that I had learned, these narratives that I had learned or, you know, these um, this terminology, these rules, that's what I'll call them. These internal rules that I had learned that I'm not allowed to be weak. I have to be 100 percent in faith, how those things are in conflict with the truth. And the truth was at the yeah. time for you, I don't feel this way right now. So your thoughts we're at we're at war, mm. and then your emotions were at war, and mm-hmm. then which led to you feeling like you know, eventually I need to get help. You know, I'm I'm having is that kind of how it was? My thoughts were at war with my yeah, beliefs. My thoughts were at war. I was thinking crazy things. I literally um had a moment where a, a close friend betrayed me, right? Mm. And 
I wasn't thinking about how I could end my life. I was thinking about how could I end their life. Mm-hmm. That's when I was like, Been there before. Yeah, let, yeah. Me go and, let me go back to that therapist. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think. And I, that's when I was getting consistent, consistent yeah. therapy. That's what I want. I, I really think that that's the most powerful thing. You know, when you said, I'm on the, I want to fight for my life, my thoughts are at, at war with my beliefs, my emotions are at war with my actions, yes. you know, and then being able to say, I'm going to a therapist. You also said um, that, you know, don't go in there thinking, I think you said something along the lines, don't go in there thinking that it's just going to happen all in one day. You know, Mm -hmm. if it took you 10 years to get to this place, two sessions of therapy are not going to fix it. You know, Mm -hmm. like there's work that had to be done. And it sounds like you were ready for... The work. The work. And I want to know who prompted you to go seek therapy because you are this woman of God. And mm-hmm. in the church, we've been told that we can just pray a lot right. of especially emotional mm-hmm. health things Lord. away. Take us through that journey of, you know, who was that person in your village or in your squad, if you will, that said, OK, Michelle, you got to mm-hmm. go get help. Well, I'll say this. The first person um, that I ever heard talk about therapy was um miss tina really wow it was but it was years prior and i was like you you go to therapy mm. like you what mm-hmm. and she's normal to me she i was like you fine you beautiful mm-hmm. Beyonce, your daughter wonderful mother like um yeah you're her mother um and so that stuck with me, like, and she's okay. Like, because like I said, we think of people who go to therapists as crazy people, people who have certain, you know, other behavioral issues. I don't mm-hmm. have no behavioral issue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and it's because we um, hadn't been taught in our communities that therapy was yeah, okay. We, or we were taught, you know, if you go to church, that's enough. Right. Correct. You know, so... I walked into that therapist proud because there was at least one person that I knew who went as well. It's not something that they, uh, you know, talked about publicly all the time. It's not something you go around, you go to Chick-fil-A and be like, girl, I just got back from therapy. People don't do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I do. <laughs> I think more people are doing it now. <laughs> yeah, now. Now. Exactly now. You know, mm. so I I just encourage people. I always tell people, Mm-mm, <laughs> go get some therapy. I refer people to uh, um, two of mine. There's, I live in L.A., so I've been going to one in L.A. Mm-hmm. And then there's one that I absolutely adore, who's my therapist back home in Illinois. You know, and I was like, if they could, I'd have both of them walk me down the aisle. Mm-hmm. Because I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for That's them. Powerful. I'm thankful to God as well because I know that God put that gift in them That's right. to help uh, change um, something. You know, the work don't end when you walk out the therapy section. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. work begins. Right. Mm-hmm. Did you ever That's see a, um, a, a psychiatrist at all for antidepressants or anything? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, so I was just going to say, what's your take on... Um, medication and seeing a psychiatrist, you know, if needed, because some people, there's a stigma out there also that, you know, again, a psychiatrist, they don't want to take that medication. And for me, you know, when I went through my depression, I ended up getting on antidepressants and it helped me when I was going through my suicidal ideation as well. So can you talk about 
you know, the fact, yeah, like God made people to be professional doctors and therapists and so forth. And it's okay. Like we have no problem going to the emergency room. We have no problem going to the eye doctor. Well, we should have no problem going to a therapist. Preach. Going, Mm -hmm. you know. And so the, so the therapist at the time, um, she sent me to a psychiatrist because a, a clinical social worker, they cannot prescribe medication, right? Mm-hmm. So she took me, uh, referred me to the psychiatrist. We did all these assessments. And the crazy thing is I wasn't as bad as I thought. Mm-hmm. That's I good. can say that. It was I, I just I just thought I was like, oh God, whatever this score is, it's gonna be crazy, it's gonna be horrible. You know. Um, but she she did prescribe some some medication for anxiety, antidepressants. And I have to say for me, um, I know of people in which medication changed their life. Mm-hmm. For the um, better or worse? For the better. Okay. Yeah, for okay. the best. For okay. the best. Okay. Now, for me, this is real talk. Advil puts me to sleep. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to Advil. I'm done. I don't know why it does not have a, a sleeping agent in it. I don't know. But for me, medication, um, I, 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 I don't know. I didn't like the way it was making me feel. Mm-hmm. I felt my brain... And this is no lie for me, guys. Like I said, I literally felt my brain um, like somebody was wringing it like a towel that had water in it. Mm-hmm. You know, you wring a towel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I stopped and I said, "This is a fight that I'm going to do holistically, which takes more discipline." Mm-hmm. Okay, so or working out, doing all the work, therapy wise. Um, I've had to place boundaries as far as certain relationships. I can only take you in one dose, maybe once a year. I can say I can fool with you, and then mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. it. That's um, necessary sometimes, like, though. I, yeah. Yes. 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 Um, now, um, as far as anti-anxiety, I know that that works for me because I can get a little anxious. Mm-hmm. But um, that 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 stronger dose, even actually. Not sure. The stronger medication, they even put me on the lightest dose possible, and it was it was um, making me my. I, I didn't like the physical effect. I thought my something was literally physically happening to my brain. Mm-hmm. And Michelle, but, if, if I can just you know ask you about that, you know, oftentimes um, you know people get on medication. Um, physicians, psychiatrists, they're looking for the right dose and the right medication. Um, to try to to try to give people, and sometimes it starts off a little higher, or it starts off as the as the wrong medication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you feel like if you were able to um, explore a less invasive medication or or a totally different medication, do you think it might have provided you the benefits you were looking for? Do you feel like this medication was yeah, a little too prob- aggressive? Yeah, probably so. Yeah, and I probably wasn't astute enough in. And asking that because you know yeah. maybe thinking they know what they're talking about. They know the yeah. medication. Right. They, yeah. they, right. they know right. my symptoms. You did an assessment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but like I said, I I have spoken to people that I know on yeah. daily, and it has changed their life. So, um, that's why I I'm scared to talk about the medication part because 
I was to me the 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 physical effects to me kind of made me a little nervous. But that's and your every, story. Yeah, everyone has different experiences. Yeah. But that that's a good thing though, because I think that's a good thing for people to hear. Correct. To be able to say, you know, okay, here's option one, and I'm just gonna mm-hmm. you know throw something out there. If, right. You know, if April breaks her leg tomorrow and they give me you know a super large amount of morphine, I might just be like, bruh, I just need Tylenol. That's 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 mm-hmm. all I need, you know. But being able to, you know, look that information up and say, this is the medication I'm on, you know, I think that's a good thing to be able to say, this for me isn't working. It's not producing the results that I need, you know, Michelle. I think that's a good thing to be able to take that because some people will just say, I'm going to stay on it. Mm-hmm. But you were able to say, you know, this is not working for me. Here's why it's not working for me. I'm going to try something new. So I think that's a good thing to be able to kind of take your health care. And that's what I call it. That's health care. Take your health care into your own hands right. and say, you know, this isn't working for me. So unless you have something a little less invasive and it's going to produce less side effects, then I'll, I'll take this into my own hands. And I think that's very empowering yeah. mm-hmm. um, because a lot of people think they just got to go to the doctor and take whatever. Yeah, whatever the doctor you know, tells them. Um, uh, and just to liken it to something, my, my two-year-old has asthma. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and when we go to the doctor, the doctor can't just throw my son an, an, an inhaler and say, take that. You know, I'm going to ask all the, I will go on Google and find everything out about yeah. that medication yeah. and right. ask. So I think right. that's a very empowering thing to, to be able to say, this isn't working for me. I'm going to try something different, still with the help of your therapist and psychiatrist, exactly. you know, supporting you. And that's your story. So, you know, we're grateful for your complete story yeah. and, and your honesty. And sharing that with us Aww. today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so thankful for y'all. Oh, mm-hmm. this is love fest. Yes, I'm so excited. And thank you. I just want to shout out <laughs> Yvette Noel Shore, who we all love, who was your publicist yes. at one time, and just thank you, Yvette, for finally connecting Michelle and I. We greatly yes, appreciate yes, it. Because yes, even way when you, over, I'm sorry, way go ahead. I Yvette know. is what in Amsterdam somewhere, you know, still facilitating, saying, okay, it's time to get on the call. It's time <laughs> to do this. And, you know, that's so one. that's amazing. Yes, it is. Now, now um, let me ask you a question. Um, did you share this journey of seeing your therapist, you know, at that point when you were kind of in recovery with your either um, boyfriend at the time or your family or any of your close friends? And how did they react? Um, well, I'll say this currently, um, cause it, I, I think this will encourage people. Um, my current, my, my fiance, okay. um, I had to just tell him everything. Mm-hmm. Like this is part of me. This was part of my journey. Right. And when I tell you that still did not keep him from putting a ring on my finger, that is so um, amazing. And can sidebar, yeah, yeah. girl, you, you got a good one. Let me just say, God, <laughs> yeah. well, y'all look well, good together. Thank you. He sees the work, you know, and mm-hmm. he's a man of God. He's a praying man. He's like, you know, this ain't going to be, this isn't your identity. This isn't who you are. That's right. You know, mm-hmm. this is what you're overcoming. We're going to use this. We're going to inspire so many people with this. You know what I mean? And so. Um, That's amazing. You know, it's, really it's, 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 been, it's been encouraging. Like, you know, and guess what? If I told him. And he walked away. Mm-hmm. He wasn't for me. Right. That's, That's real. Right. Exactly. That's, That's real. He's he's proving even more that he's for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now let me you ask know, you: Is so, he's a is he a pastor at a particular church, or does he just pastor to different groups? He has a groups? ministry in mm-hmm. Phoenix called Elevate. Okay. Um, actually, um, I am missing. He has a camp um, that 
got about four or 500 children descending on the mountain in Phoenix Ooh, as we speak for the amazing. weekend. It's, it's his 16th year wow. doing this. Um, he has been an NFL chaplain for 16 years, oh, 10 years with Arizona that's Cardinals. Dope. That's really dope. Yes. And just this year makes make six years of him being with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Fantastic. Um, and he, yeah, yeah, started off as a youth pastor as well at a church called Pilgrim Rest in Phoenix. Um, so right now his ministry is called Elevate, mm-hmm. and he ministers and they empower and have great resources for inner city kids in Phoenix. I think that's his, that is fantastic. That's his calling. So, so mm-hmm. do they have um, any? Is it all like? ministries that he does kind of throughout the week or is there a Sunday service attached to that as well or just kind of programming around different You know what there is not a Sunday service yet but when I see him minister in pulpits I'm like babe you're a pastor Wow Mm -hmm. you know but he said that he never wanted to pastor a church without a wife so okay first lady look at that look at that elevate (laughs) get that big hat (laughs) look at the elevate that's gonna work more than one way He's, he's, you know, praying about that, mm-hmm. you know, but right now, you know, he just has, you know, has speaking engagement. He's even going all the way to New Zealand next year. Wow. Um, so, you know, pe- people are, are calling on him. We were in Atlanta um, this past weekend for All Nations Worship Assembly in Atlanta for their fire conference. And he taught a sem- uh, work. He had a workshop, his own session. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he just teaches people about going into the workplace, you know, being a person of faith and mm-hmm. how being a person of faith, does, it doesn't have to limit you to just working in the four walls of the church. That's right. I think what y'all are doing. Well, y'all are in the form of ministry. Yeah, absolutely. I tell people all the yeah, time, this is yeah. my ministry. Now, a lot of people, you know, it was difficult when I shared my story, you know, being a high profile executive in entertainment and mm-hmm. walking away and starting over and having suicidal ideation. You know, it was 2015, Michelle, when I contemplated suicide just three mm-hmm. years ago. And I came very close to taking some pills. Um, so I've been very honest and open and upfront about my journey and, and my recovery. Um, so, it, you know, we're all in this together. It, it's so many people, you know, said, oh, you had everything, too. Well, that's not the case. That's why it's so many so important for people like yourself and, you know, people like me who work in the industry, maybe behind the scenes, but to still tell the story of how, you know, it can be a facade, right? People think that your life yeah. is one way and they yeah. just have no idea of everything else. And and I really would love to connect at some point with your husband. I just recently participated in a um, mental health symposium that the NFL did in Atlanta. It was a full oh, day nice. conference and we had, I hosted the event and we had a lot of really great panel discussions around emotional health. So who knows if they do it again, maybe we can include um, your husband and and I just like to to talk to him too about um, some more things that we want to do around emotional health if he's open to it. Oh, absolutely! You know, I'm sure with him being a chaplain, um, of course, I'm not privy to all the things that he. You know, they can't share that information. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. But I can imagine with the information we do here. Um, publicly, um, what NFL players go through, mm-hmm. um, even transitioning out of the NFL, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know what I mean? So um, yeah, because we had a lot of former players come and talk about, you know, what they've been dealing with. So that's amazing. So wow. 
Yeah. Le- I, I want to know what's next for Michelle. Are you doing new music? Are you going to do Broadway again? Because mm-hmm. obviously you've done some amazing things on Broadway and, you know, kudos to you for that as well. Thank you. Well, as we speak, I am in Toronto. As we speak, mm-hmm. um, I'm in Canada. Um, I'm doing a limited engagement with Grease the Musical. Really? Yeah. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Hey. I love theater. Uh-huh. I love theater. So this is what your girl is doing. Um, so hopefully What this role is in Grease, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> uh, oh, just I'm doing Teen Angel. Okay, that's dope. <laughs> yes, Teen Angel. So it's just it's seven performances. Um, but literally, I was like, God, I, I gotta do some more theater, and and I got this offer. So, um, I'm, I just know that hopefully later this year, it's a, there's another theater. I just, I, I just, I love theater, mm-hmm. you know. So I get to use, you know, some of my goofiness, you know, and Aww. all that stuff on the stage. Yeah, I am. Um, I so doing performances. Have you ever experienced like anxiety from performing or? the anxiety of being on the stage or having those moments of depression going in, how do you, mm-hmm. ha- how would you cope with that? Well, my first performance of Grease on Tuesday, oh, the anxiety was bad. Like, really? every, I, there has to be silence around me. I, I just, ooh. And I mm. want to say, I don't know why, um, I don't know if it gets worse as I get older or I always, I, I, find, I find myself like, say my fiance was with me and he was um gonna go get something to eat but it was just i was and i started worrying mm. i was like this is anxiety like mm-hmm. he's a grown man he's gonna be fine or I, I started to like have you know just everything i always associate something negative with you know, I'm just I'm gonna go get some ice cream. Well, be careful because a dog might come mm. and um, put rabies on your ice cream waffle cone. <laughs> put rabies on your ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> it's a serious mm. dog walking around you with a can know, of rabies. So, yeah, so I was like, yeah, you better get on your anti-anxiety meds mm. again. So, and guess what? I'm okay with that. Yeah. I am okay with that because I want to have fun. I want people right. around me to have fun and not think that, oh, God, here comes Michelle. She's going to think everything, something mm-hmm. bad's going to happen with everything. So um, I had that recognition this week, like, yeah, you might want to get that, five, that those five milligrams going again. <laughs> Michelle, can I ask a quick question? When you get the anxiety, when the anxiety thoughts start, start how do you feel? Like, what what happens to you physically? Like, when mm. you start feeling anxiety? Um, confusion, confusion, um, irritation, almost to the place where um, it could be offensive to somebody else. Okay, mm. okay. Um, do you ever find yourself like well, rocking or or needing to get yeah. up and walk around, Definitely. move your hands? I like, do this. I do the swaying from side to side. Like the lady okay. doing my makeup, she was like. Um, she said, she she said, I could tell you were nervous. And I said, it was anxiety. Right. You know, yeah. um, very, you know, just anxious. Just hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I do have that. Um, do you ever feel a need like you, if, if you could just control everything around you for that moment, do you feel like, you know, if I could just 
own everything right now, I would feel better. I would, is that, that oh, yeah, ever something? Well, yeah, I would feel better. Yeah, of course. And I think for me too, that's why I have to feel like I'm well prepared right. for every okay. environment I go in. And mm. then that way I'll be okay. You'll feel okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good. If you try to throw me in, I'm going to do the job. You throw me in, I'm going to kill it. But just know I'm going, it's a heck of a lot of anxiety going on. It's a lot more work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. lastly, I want to ask you, what do you do? Because we always like to give people self-care tips because it's all about, um, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of centers you and puts you back into your your safe space. Even obviously, if you couple this with going to therapy um, or if some mm-hmm. have to yeah. see a psychiatrist, what are you doing just from a basic self-care regimen every day for Michelle? Yes, ma'am. Going to therapy, uh, like I said, going to therapy, doing the work. I encourage people, you'll find out how lazy you really are. <laughs> like, do, do the work. It sucks. It's not fun. Do but I mean, work. like, like, do you like work. um, working out or mo- yeah, uh, meditation? Yeah, working out. Work, working out. After I work out, I feel like I can do anything. <laughs> mm. yep. That's right. 30 minutes on the elliptical, something about getting those... Um, those hormones moving and all of that. The endorphins. Stuff. That's probably the endorphins that are probably just kind of laying there like, please, please, work out, work out. We want to get bubbly with you. You know, so you're awesome, Michelle. Like, Thirty minutes on the elliptical, I'd be I'm straight like, dead. They have to call nine one one. Come and get me. <laughs> Listen. 30 minutes of any cardio. Right. 30 minutes of any cardio. 30 minutes of, of ho- however you get that blood pumping, lifting some weights right with it. People, it's an inconvenience. No, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah. I'm telling you, go work out. And then yeah. I do things like I treat myself to stuff. Mm. If I want that ice cream sandwich, I'm going to have me an ice cream sandwich. That's self-care for me. Walking outside in the sun. That's why I moved to Los Angeles because it was Chicago, where, where I where I was in the Illinois area. The winters were rough for me. Mm-hmm. There is a such thing as um, uh, what's the C- SADD? Yeah, that's a real thing. Yeah. So I said I, I I did my last winter in Illinois. I moved to LA officially in January of this year, and I'm telling you, the sun. I can just bathe in it. I can just, I love the sun. That works for me. And I know everybody said, well, I can't afford, I can't move to where the sun is. But for me, that's what I had to do. You know, I sold my house and did all of that. Did everything just to, and and that's that's part of, I think, why I'm in a better better space mentally and emotionally. Um, I don't, um, like I said, just little things that I, I do. I go, I like going to the spa. And self-care is doing whatever you want, yeah. doing whatever you need to do. That's right. You know, it's nothing magical or mystical. You know, I don't have an M&M that I put on, light on fire. I, I, I just, I don't have, there's nothing magical that I, that I do. It's the things where if I'm walking down the street and I see some lemon gelato, I go for it. It makes me happy. That's it right. It makes me happy. Do what makes and, you happy. Yeah. And also, another thing of self-care is, do not be afraid to have boundaries with people. Ooh, you That's can say that again. They'll, point. That's they'll a... get over it and mm, they'll right. learn how to navigate that new space that you put them in. They'll and if be they're right. for you, they'll respect them. Amen. They mm. they will. And and that's okay. So, you know, uh, if it's 
You used to talk to this person every day. Now you go from talking to them just once a week. Guess what? They'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if they're or not championing your growth. You know, right. every time you talk to them, you feel like you're back yeah. to square one. Sometimes you got to put a box around them. Yeah. Like, I'm going to see you on Monday between 3.30 and 3.32. Yeah, some yeah. people are triggers. You. And they don't yeah. know. Or they, yeah. they would always want to talk about stuff from the past. Right, right. right. And right. some of the, like, yeah. Oh. Some of that will just drain yeah. you, you know. It and is. I know I've had to let go of people who would just, I felt like I could feel them coming down the hall long before they got to my yeah. office. Oh, or long so before true. they Even before they called, I just felt like the spirit got there before right, they right, like, right. hello. You know what yeah. it is. Yeah. I'd be like, bro, I can't, we can't, I can't do it and with you today. Some people also, and I think some people also like to, they don't see that sometimes they don't know the change that you're making. Yeah. So they talk to you like you were the person from the past or even exactly. you know, the same person right. this year that you were last exactly. year. Right. So I've had to remove, cut somebody off that's like, you know what? You keep saying, I know you, Michelle. I know how you used to be. I, know <laughs> that, I don't do that anymore. Right. Old things have passed away, honey. That's right. Yeah, so bloop. They're gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm this just, was great. This was awesome. Y'all give it up Yay. for Michelle Williams. Thank you so much for being so candid and open, open with us. Open, vulnerable, transparent. Oh, you don't know anytime. what this means to us. I need my T-shirt, Shanti. Oh, wait. Hey. Oh, hold on. So You know what? I like Girl, that you jumped ahead. Okay. I was Go just on. getting ready to ask you. I was going to say, can we get a line of communication going on so I don't have to bother Michelle every time? Um, I mean, I'm sorry, Yvette. Yvette. <laughs> Every time I want to reach yes. you for email yes. or your assistant, whatever you yes. feel comfortable with, because I want to send it to you and see if you will do a video drop for us um, that we can share it. with our listeners and our viewers on social media. And then I also want to just talk to you um, about the next few weeks with your schedule, because I would love to maybe have you participate in one of our panel discussions. Um, cause we sure, of course. So the power of Instagram, I'm going to DM you my phone number. Yes. Email on, on your DMs. Is that okay? Yeah, girl. Slide on in there and give me those digits. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was really interested. I'm going to slide. I'm going to slide in your DM. And speaking of DM, tell everybody where they can follow you so we can hear about all the wonderful things you're doing. Okay. Hit me on Instagram um, simply at Michelle Williams. Okay. Um, Twitter. Real Michelle W. Facebook is Facebook.com. Michelle Williams verified. Every all of them are verified. Okay. For us, you can follow us in our movement at Silence the Shame on Instagram. On Facebook, it's at Silence TH Shame. And on Twitter, it's at Silence TH Shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, free, how can they reach you? And everybody can follow me at Free the Vision everywhere, spelled correctly. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Free the Vision. Consistency, I like that. And I'm at Shanti Das 404, Dr. Mm-hmm. April. You can follow me at, at Dr. Stallworth on Instagram. That's where I am. That's where I live. Very good. And, you know, special shout out to our engineer, Joy, our communications Joy. director, Cam in the building, and special thanks to DJ Drama and the good folks over here at Mean Street Studios, which allow us to be able to bring this message of emotional health and mental wellness to the community. This is episode 16 of Silence of Shame podcast. Um, today, we again want to thank Michelle Williams, a former member of Destiny's child but more importantly um, woman of God um, sister friend to so many um, mental health advocate actress Broadway host um, we just thank you and and again our thoughts and prayers go out to Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain's family again if you or anyone you know are suffering or feel like you are in fear of um, suicidal ideation or taking your own life please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at one 800 
1-800-273-8255. The number again is 1-800-273-8255. You can also text our crisis text line um, organization. We have a keyword, so you can text the word silence to 741-741. Um, it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's confidential. Some people just, you know, have a tough time taking that step, even talking to someone. So guess what? You can text and be connected to a counselor, and then they will connect you to a licensed healthcare professional in your area or community. Remember that you are loved. You are enough. Stay with us. Stay with us. Um, suicide should never be an option, although um, I know that sometimes it's tough for people to pull themselves out of that cycle. Uh, rest in peace to my father, Ashtosh Das. Uh, it was just Father's Day, and I still love my dad, and I don't let that stigma haunt me anymore of mm -hmm. him taking his own life. Um, but we want to help save lives, and we're here to do that. So let's continue to silence the shame. And, folks, let's get the help that you need and take care of yourself. God bless. If you or anyone you love needs a hand, please shine light on the darkness. Spark the conversation. It's time we silence the shame. Let's talk about it.